And we're both we're both team Pfizer here at Conspiracies yes. Encrypted. Yes, we are. I didn't get a choice. Got the, but... <laughs> I didn't get a choice either. But we got the bougie vaccine. I've decided that, like, I, I was like, I have to make a complex about this and shame my friends that didn't get the Pfizer vaccine. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you're team Moderna, I'm sorry for your poverty. <laughs> and, and don't get me started in, if you're team Johnson & Johnson, a.k.a. the, the toddler vaccine. Uh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, both both Pfizer and Moderna, both you know, very effective. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm I just, not sure at this point about. I just, John, you know, I like Johnson to, you know, I just like to tease people about it. Like, That's obviously, so it's not a it. big deal, and I, I'm not yes. serious about shaming anybody. If you got your You're vaccine, I'm proud of vaccine. you. But I just, I like to pretend that Pfizer's the, you know, designer vaccine. You know, these these <laughs> T cells are designer. <laughs> <laughs> So you're size T jeans. Mm. Mm. I'm the size. So <laughs> welcome back to Conspiracies and Cryptids with Sammy and Tessa. Yes, we're, you found us again. Found us again. You, we're back. We're back. We are unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> we are coming up on our three year anniversary oh on gosh. the first of May. I cannot believe that it has been three years. Three years. It feels like longer. Doesn't it does it? kind of. A little like bit. it does, especially with like my move and stuff in there. It feels like, well, because we've yeah. done so much in those three years that it's like, it feels like more than what would happen in a normal three years. Well, yeah, not to mention absolutely. a pandemic during those three years. I mean, so who would have thought? Yeah, so it's like, it, it feels longer, but a good, in a good way, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's been a fun three years. Yeah. So we'll celebrate with us next, uh, next episode. Yeah. We'll be, it'll be fun. We'll have, uh, we'll have a special guest. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, we will have a special guest. I'm just going to go ahead and tell him who it is. So it's... Oh! Eh, eh, it'll be fine. Eh, oh, fine. So, yeah, I'm going home to visit family this coming week, and and we're going to have Joel on the podcast with us. Um, and that'll be That'll be fun to just have him. He's never been, like, a part of it before, so... I'm very excited. I'm very excited to have your brother on. That's yeah. going to be very fun. And uh, uh, so that'll be great. That's uh, looking, very, looking forward to it. So that, yeah. that's next week. That's our, our anniversary celebration. So also we've, Tess and I have been talking and just because of how weird this year is and how weird last year was and all the stuff that we've got going in our, going on in our lives and on the precipice of happening, we've decided that at least for, for now, we're going to be stepping back from the podcast for a while and taking kind of an indefinite hiatus. We're really sorry to leave you guys like this. Um, yeah, we'll miss just, you guys. Yeah. It's just, we just, we need some time to kind of recuperate and recover because obviously it's been stressful for all of us and I, we're all kind of dealing with how to get our lives back on track now that things are starting to get back to normal. Um, and we just, we, we kind of both need this time to get our lives back on track, you know, so, and, and kind of process everything and, and deal with it all. So we're, we're not saying that this is going to be goodbye forever, but yeah, our next episode, like I said, it's our three year anniversary, but it's also going to be just the last episode for, for a while. And we'll yeah. keep you guys updated with what's going on. Our Facebook will stay up. The crypt yeah. will stay open. We are still your friends. You can yeah, still reach absolutely. out to us. You uh, know, we're, we're still going to be available, you know, on, on our social media and everything and, and 
you know, we're not shutting down the social media or the website. We will probably shut down the Patreon. I I would not feel yeah. comfortable no. with people paying us to not do anything. So exactly. um, thank you in advance to all of our yes. patrons who've been so wonderful and supportive. You know, all yes. of our past and present thank you. patrons, we really appreciate you. But yeah, so as of as of next month, our, our Patreon will shut down, but um, everything else will stay open. Um, in fact, yeah, yeah, everything else will stay open. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely reach out to us, email us. You know, we'll still keep in contact. You know, we're not going to shut anything else down. So, you know, and who knows, we might we might pop in occasionally and do like a listener story episode or something, you know, something simple like that. But yeah, sure. Yeah, just if something happens in the news or something, we may pop in. But yeah, uh, you know, but just, other than that, yeah. We, we kind of feel like we've covered about everything we wanted to cover with this podcast where I'm out of cryptids to cover other than today what I'm talking about and we've obviously distanced ourselves from conspiracy theories because of the current climate these days with conspiracy theories being weirdly cult-like and and getting a little touchy y'all got weird on me (laughs) yeah so it's we just we kind of feel like we've we've reached kind of an impasse and, and picking topics has gotten to be a little bit more difficult these days. So, so for now it's just, it's, it's not goodbye. It's, it's, we'll see you later sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. Well, it's happy. It's happy trails, happy adventures. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, in the future. We, yeah. We're not gone. We're gone, but not forgotten. Yes. We're not gone and not, not forgotten gone either. Not forgotten either. <laughs> just, just kind of on a vacation for a while. Like exactly. Like convalescent and leave. <laughs> let us know where you're going on vacation. Yeah. We still want to hear from you guys. We want to yeah, see your adventures really too. So, but, um, but we, but that means we still have an episode to, to take still care have of though. this episode and next episode to take care of. So you're not done with us just yet. So we are going to, as usual, flip the penny for our thoughts and, and see who gets to go first. It's like it's, oddly muted today. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's your turn to pick. I think so. Ooh, okay. Mm, let's see. Oh, I'm really excited about my topic today, guys. I'm very excited. I learned <laughs> so much. Let's see. I'm going to choose heads. It's heads. There you ha! go. Ha! 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 Lucky. Ha! Ha! Okay. So, <laughs> like I us. said, I have been, oh my gosh, my my Apple Watch was like, hey, have you been washing your hands? Like, no, I've been shaking a penny <laughs> for my thoughts. Thank you. Now I need to go wash my hands. <laughs> So anyway, uh, I've been wanting to share this one with you guys uh, since Sammy was sick last month. And mm-hmm. so because we, we skipped an episode. So this the script has been just sitting here. It's waiting. Mm-hmm. It's been waiting. And so I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, a friend of mine was actually tagged in a meme about this this group that I'm going to talk about. Okay. Uh, so it's Ahana, if you're listening. Hi, girl. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> but uh, um, I so I started digging a little bit deeper in it because I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I actually learned a ton. Like I said, uh, this episode, we're going to cover the legend of Sweeney Bean and his clan of, let's say, less than merry men and women. Ooh, interesting. There's a lot of debate over the veracity of this legend, obviously, but a few can uh, find reason for the development of such an elaborate story. They're like, what? Okay, so this is like, why make this up? This is kind of a a strange thing to make up. So there are some theories about why it was made up, but even they are, there's some holes in those too. 
Um, and it's actually a better known story than you might think. It's actually been used as source material for a few pop culture masterpieces, but we will get to that later. Okay. Uh, there was a, so the legend, here's where it comes from. Um, <clears throat> the legend of Sweeney, Sweeney Bean comes from the uh, tabloid publication that was popular in the 18th and 19th centuries called the Newgate Calendar, uh, which also served as a kind of crime catalog. It was kind of a, like, there were some fictional stories, there were real stories. It was kind of a mixture of, like, it's tabloid, you know. Right, right. Uh, but it was a crime catalog for Newgate Prison in London. And uh, the story of Alexander Sweeney Bean first popped up there. Mm -hmm. Alexander Bean was born in East Lothian during the 16th century. Uh, there's been a lot of debate over the t actual time frame, uh, which we're going to talk about a couple of times in this episode. It might have been the 16th century. It could have been the 17th century. It could have okay. been the 14th century. Um that's a, that's a pretty big jump there's in times pretty, there. Pretty big gap, but <laughs> it basically all comes down to which King James is being referred to. But again, we'll touch on it later. Oh. Uh, but Alexander Bean was the son of a ditch digger and a hedge trimmer, so manual labor. And while he tried to pick up the family trade, he quickly <laughs> realized he wasn't fit for the work. And this detail is going to become important a little bit later on in the story if you're playing along at home. Okay. He eventually left home with a woman named Black Agnes Douglas, not Agnes from from WandaVision. That was Agatha. Agatha. Well, oh, well it's no, Agnes in the comics, Ag so Yeah, well she yeah. Yeah, she was <laughs> Agnes. Just, like her person her persona was Agnes. Yes. That's so true. yeah, okay, never mind. You're right. You're right. You're right. So uh, she's described as a vicious woman though and is frequently accused of being a witch. So, kind of close. <laughs> Um, so it after, was Agatha all along. It was Agatha. <laughs> <laughs> after they robbed and allegedly cannibalized some of their victims, uh, they disappeared to a coastal cave in Benane Head, where uh, it's like between Yervon and Bellantrae. And I apologize if I butcher any of these uh, British names. And um, yeah, don't don't you can apologize as much as you want. I've got like like Afrikaans names oh, and, and like names from the congo to pronounce in mind oh, so i've had to do that that's, <laughs> that's not fun i understand <laughs> anyway but so but the point is their cave was very hard to get to and mm. it was about 200 yards deep and the entrance was blocked by a water at high tide so the pair remained there undisturbed for about 25 years and that's a long time to lay around with your lady and they lay that they did because Sweeney and Agnes had eight sons oh boy. and six daughters. And that... no one left the cave. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And they had 18 grandsons and 14 granddaughters. Oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Sounds like a British no, royal no. family. But, oh, um, ooh. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. But naturally, though, uh, some incest uh, had to have occurred um, if you guys hadn't connected the dots uh, I mean, since nobody left. Uh, yeah. So there were some cognitive issues, some developmental issues, mm -hmm. some physical issues, uh, naturally. Mm -hmm. uh, and who knows if there were any beyond granddaughters. And this is a legend, so true or not. So, mm -hmm. um, But this is how the story goes. Uh, lacking what the original article called inclination for regular labor, mm -hmm. 
The Bean clan thrived by laying careful ambushes at night to rob and murder passersby or small groups. So they're like, oh, yeah, they're not into like hedge trimming and ditch, you know, you know, ditch digging. But, oh, yeah, they'll knock you over the head and, you know, beat the crap out of you until you're dead and then, you know, dismember your body. And I know where I've. okay. so now now that you're getting into it. Uh huh. I I, you're just sounding familiar. I know where this is where i've heard of this from so it's one of actually one of my favorite pieces so like, we'll but we'll get as, it there as the, like a horror fanatic yeah yes. I'm, I'm very familiar with where this is going so yeah they apparently brought those bodies uh back to their cave where corpses were dismembered eaten or leftovers were pickled in barrels sometimes they would discard body parts which would wash up on nearby beaches this was apparently part of the strategy strategy to throw local villagers off of their trail leading them to believe that an animal was responsible for the attacks because they're like who what animal would just leave body parts you know what person would leave body parts laying around it must be an animal it was cannibals all along (laughs) i love it let's dance yeah cannibals all along uh, of course people so noticed <laughs> oh yay cannibalism <laughs> we laugh because we're uncomfortable yes uh, <laughs> of course though people noticed uh because they weren't that stupid uh up to 1000 people were missing by this time according oh to the legend God. uh they knew something was going on so they sent out multiple search parties to try to figure out the reason for the disappearances mm-hmm. even going so far as to lynch several innocent people in their quest for justice because people but people just kept disappearing they're like right. okay well we lynched this guy okay well another person disappeared what about that guy okay well another person disappeared okay like the salem witch trials just kind uh, of yeah exactly it's gotcha. been doing it for a long time uh it's in fact many nature <laughs> Right. I thought it was as interesting, though. In, in fact, many innkeepers were accused uh, because they were often the last person to see the missing people oh, alive. That, Yeah, yeah, I get it. I don't yeah, like it, so but I get it. Don't leave overnight over that road. Come on, guys. <laughs> so the Swaney Bean clan remained unknown and unnoticed until they met a worthy adversary. He was armed with a gun and a, and a very big, like a sword. Some kind of sword. Okay. It, so, uh, but this man and his wife were returning from a fair on horse, and uh, the clan stopped them. Uh, they tried to attack, but the man held them off with a sword and a pistol. His wife, though, unfortunately, fell to the ground. She white girl, she fell, uh, <laughs> and, and she was killed in the attack. Uh, but before you could take, the, she they could take down the husband. Mm-hmm. More people from the fair showed up and scared them off. Uh, so then the, now there's been a surviving victim. This is the first one to actually get away from them because they're big oh. enough. There's like 50 people, right? Right. Yeah, plus, you know, children and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, they would just use all kinds of tactics to, to get your attention. Right. Um, but this time there was a surviving victim and they were able to go tell the magistrate and tell him the story. Mm-hmm. So now with the uh, Bean's existence, this family, now they're like, okay, now we know there's a cannibal family in the cave. Okay. Okay. Now let's go do something about it, right? Yes, obviously. A cannibal family in the cave. That... Exactly. Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Of course. Uh, Word got up to the king, possibly King James VI of Scotland, according to the tales linked to the 16th century. But the timing is a little unclear here. Uh, some stories refer to the 16th century and King James VI, but others refer to the 14th century and King James I, and you may remember him from the gunpowder plot. Same guy. Oh. Now, which one is the Bible King James? Um, That's a good question. 
We should have looked that up. We should have looked that up. <laughs> Six seasons and we're still doing it. Still doing this. We never change. Uh, okay. Uh, that would have been the 15th? 1600s. That's the 17th century, right? Yes. Yeah. It's one. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, right. Cause it's. Yes. Because we're 21st century yes, in the 2000s, right. the 17th century is the 1600s. So, see, guys, we got there. We got so there together. The, it's the sixth James. Yeah, uh, so yeah, yes. Okay, the, so the, it's, so yeah, it's either so. the Bible King James or the Gunpowder Gunpowder King, King James. James. Exactly. <laughs> Very either, different Jameses. <laughs> either James though was real mad about this. <laughs> because, because he he compiled a search party of 400 people. Oh boy. Like, in medieval Europe, 400 people. Like that's a that's quite a search party. Um so he sent the bloodhounds though and all these people to go try and track them down, which they apparently did. Oh, okay. Upon finding the cave by torchlight, searchers found the Bean Clan uh, because the the bloodhounds found it. They were mm-hmm. like, "You humans, we're gonna we're gonna go track this thing down. We're gonna we're tired. We want to go home, go have our ham snacks, you know, because Java loves her ham candy, mm-hmm. little bloodhounds." Uh, but <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, though they found human remains with some uh, body parts hanging from walls, uh, barrels filled with limbs, and piles of stolen heirlooms and jewelry all over the place. So I'm mm. like, well, I think we found the place. Yeah, yeah okay. this looks about right. The, this, this looks at- right. This, this says the right atmosphere going on <laughs> this is an, actually also another place where the story kind of branches off okay. uh in a few different directions the most common version is like trigger warning guys this is about to get raw mm. uh <laughs> the most common version says that the bean clan was captured without in- incident and taken to the toll booth jail in edinburgh okay w- uh, then transferred to leith or glasgow where they were executed without trial as people saw them as subhuman or unfit for a trial okay uh Swaney, the Swaney bean Swaney's beans were chopped off uh and along with the rest of the men of the family and those were burned Mm-hmm. And then their hands and feet were cut off and the men were drained. Ooh. Yeah. And then Sweeney Bean's alleged dying words were, this isn't over. It will never be over. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. After watching all the men die, then Agnes and the women of the family, plus the children, were then tied to the stakes and burned. Fun. Fun for Fest- the whole family. Festive. God, sorry. <laughs> And so then there's also another uh, version of the story, though, that says that the original search party that found them never took them to court. They just stacked gunpowder in the uh, entrance of the cave and, quote unquote, suffocated them. But if anybody who knows anything about how cave systems work, that's like, mm, I don't yeah, know Yeah, most caves have lots Especially of, one that's 200 yards deep. Give me a break. Yeah, it's probably um, got a lot of exits. Exit a lot. Points, so. I'm sure. Uh, there is also an offshoot of both stories that could also technically be true, consider okay. uh, on either one. The nearby town of Girvan uh, claims that one of Bean's daughters eventually left the clan and settled there, where she planted a dooley tree that became known as the Harry Tree. Once her family was captured and her identity was revealed to the locals, she was promptly hung from that same tree, which means that it had grown enough for her to be hung from it. Oh. Which I find either a detail that's not quite thought through or mm-hmm. <laughs> or that it took them a while to actually find them yeah yeah 
Because that, so, that would have to be at least like a good like, well, 20 some odd years for the tree to be tall enough and strong enough to hang a person from. Exactly. Exactly. And I didn't look up what a, it was a dually tree um, and whether those grow quickly. Um, oh, oh, I see. Oh, they're super, super popular in uh, uh, the, actually typically known as the gallows tree. Interesting. Oh. So uh, anyway, there's a lot of truth and lies here, right? It's quite right, a story to digest right. for sure. Uh, obviously, plenty to debate over what's actually true here and whether the Alexander Swaney Bean actually existed. Uh, one crime fiction writer popular in the 1920s, Miss Dorothy L. Sayers, offered a gruesome account of one of the murders in her anthology, Great Short Stories of Detection, Mystery, and Horror. But she mm. is a uh, technically a fiction writer. So right. uh, she was uh, somebody who was just kind of using the work on her her um, her piece. Uh, w- another um, author, Mr. Sean Thomas, notes that historical documents such as newspapers and diaries during the era in which Sweeney Bean was allegedly active make no mention of ongoing disappearances of hundreds of people. Like that would have ended up in the papers around that time. And there right, were, obviously. they weren't necessarily print, but there was definitely a, a newsletter, you know. Right. Uh, however, Thomas does note that there's inconsistencies in some of the stories and speculate that there were some kernels of truth that may have inspired the legend as a whole mm-hmm. cannibalism definitely was uh, during middle evil times wasn't unheard of it was still looked down upon it was weird right, right. Uh, but it wasn't entirely unheard of not like it is today where it's like well, i'm sorry what yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's also some speculation that the story was originally political propaganda against the Scots in Britain, as the name Sweeney itself was a popular English name for barbarous cartoon Scott. It's like right. calling somebody Patty now. Right. Um, yeah. That's yeah. like an Irishman. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, so the, and that's where I was uh, when I mentioned earlier the reference to him not wanting to work, not wanting to do manual labor. They were trying to say that he was a lazy Scotsman. He was lazy. That, yeah, exactly. And that, that doesn't surprise me. There was a lot of like. I mean, it's not racial. It's it's not racial stereotypes because they're all like you know European and white, but it's Anglo at least. You know, it's it's definitely stereotyping based on you know just where you're from. Exactly. You know, exactly. The Irish and whatever hill you're from. yeah, Yeah, the Irish and the Scots were looked down upon by the British a lot, and I mean, it's it really is weird how you know they're all kind of from the same country and geographical region but they still found a way to discriminate against them you know it's it's like so silly you all look alike you're all you know like white people from the uk but you still find a way to discriminate better than it's just it's unfortunate it's an unfortunate part of human nature is just we find ways to discriminate against each other even if we all looked identical we would find a way to discriminate against somebody else Exactly. It's just something. You'd find something. I mean, we joked about it at the beginning, you know, Pfizer versus Moderna, you know, I mean, iPhone versus Samsung. It's like we find ways to discriminate. It's just an unfortunate, awful part of being human. And it's. And it's a part of being a good human to acknowledge it and acknowledge it and and do your best to not be that kind of person. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there is, however, uh, like, um, Mr. Thomas noted that there were some like actual true stories out of the area that could be kind of related or inspiration for this story. Mm-hmm. Um, there is actually another cannibal story out of Scotland. That's even more pressing, uh, than the Sweeney Bean story. It's called uh, the Christie Cleek story. Okay. Uh, 
This story showed up in the 1696 work of Nathaniel Crouch, who was a compiler uh, and a popular history, uh, a compiler of popular history, who published under the pseudonym Richard Burton at the time. Mm. Uh, in his tale, he says that the following happened in 1459, the year before James II of Scotland's death. Okay. About which at time a certain thief who lived privately in a den with his wife and children were all burned alive. They may... They having made it their practice for many years to kill young people and eat them. One girl of only a year old was saved and brought up at Dundee, who at 12 years of age, being found guilty of the same horrid crime, was condemned to the same punishment. And when the people followed in great multitudes to execution, wondering at her unnatural villainy, she turned toward them and with cruel countenance said, what you do thus rail at me. As if I had done such a heinous act, contrary to the nature of man, I tell you that if you did but know how, but you did but know how pleasant the taste of man's flesh was, none of you would forbear to eat it. And thus, with an unimpentant and a stubborn mind, she suffered deserved death. Oh boy, that was his quote. Um, and so also related to the Christie Clique story, philosopher Hector Bosi once said that the infant daughter of a Scot. Uh, brigand who was executed with his family for cannibalism though raised by foster parents developed a cannibal appetite at 12 and was put to death for it so apparently wow. that actually happened wow that's so <laughs> weird isn't that like wow like and so there may be a little bit of a mixture of truth and, and right right fact and fiction know. Exactly. So, but like Sammy mentioned, if any of this sounds familiar, you are correct. What, director Wes Craven used the Swaney Bean story as the basis of The Hills Have Eyes, but obviously it's blended with the American horror story mm -hmm. of, that was nuclear testing in the American Southwest. Right, yep. Which is one of my favorite horror movies it's, uh because it's also really if you know good. funnily enough the dad in that is not only captain Suttlemeyer from monk it's also buffalo bob from silence of the lambs <laughs> yeah uh, no, that's, but that's a great movie terrifying absolutely terrifying like when i so i've driven through that part of new mexico a couple of times because mm -hmm. i've made the cross-country trek between california and mississippi one two three four times Going back wow. and forth. Yeah, back and forth. Yeah. So I've I've been through that general area a couple of times and it absolutely freaked me out, you know, because I had to go by White Sands missile mm -hmm. testing site. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was constantly like checking the, the street to make sure yeah. there wasn't like a spike strip across <gasps> the street. Because <laughs> I was like, so I don't crazy. need to be dragged out into the desert and killed by, you know, no. nuclear testing cannibals. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that's just, oh, it's, it's, that's just a very well done movie. Very well done, Wes Craven. Yeah. Um, but uh, also, uh, if you are interested still and are, have the opportunity to travel out there, the horror of the Swainy Bean clan continues to captivate audience there mm -hmm. is a popular attraction at the edinburgh dungeon that's de devoted to the legend okay uh, there's basically a boat ride a la pirates of the caribbean uh oh where God. visitors become part of the king's party trying to flush the beans out of their hiding place <laughs> in the sea cave <laughs> uh, that sounds i'm really surprised that that's something that they've done over there like that sounds very american right like let's turn this horrific murder into a theme park ride that that a sounds very american like that does apparently, not sound like the sort of thing that you would think brits would do apparently it's not even the most popular attraction at the prison i i was like there's attractions <laughs> at the prison that's freaking cool <laughs> i kind of want to go see it now oh my god so Fantastic. that is 
everything I learned about the Swainy Bean clan. I thought this was so cool. I and I uh, I just uh, wanted to share that with you guys. This is just a really fun little thing to write and uh, to to explore a little bit. So I love it. I love it. Cool. All right. Well, let's take a break. And when we get back, I've got a cryptid. Well, some cryptids for you. So. Ooh, sweet. Okay, so I have been wanting to do a cryptid again. It's been a while since I've really done one. You know, like we've kind of skirted the edges of cryptids with like, you know, Jeff the Talking Mongoose. And, you know, I went into kind of the cryptid islands sort of thing, you know, but I've wanted to do like a a real cryptid for a while now. But Mm -hmm. there just really aren't that many left, at least none that I could really like talk about for you know, a half hour, 20 minutes even. So most of the cryptids that I've covered are, you know, or that I haven't covered are either those generic big feats or Nessies that I've mentioned, or they only have like a really short history that doesn't have a lot to cover. But some of them are still like popular and interesting enough that I don't want to just not talk about them. So I'm going to lump a bunch of them together and do like a sort of cryptid corral. Cool. So... So the first cryptid I'm going to talk about is one that's native to my home state of South Dakota, though it finds its origins in Wyoming. In fact, Wyoming is it's the official cryptid of Wyoming. So while it uh, while it reportedly lives in my state, it also lives in a bunch of other Midwestern states and Wyoming is its home home Mm, i see i see it gets around but it uh, goes home to wyoming well it gets around because they're very fertile animals they are the jackalopes oh the jackalopes so for those of you who don't know the jackalope is a small rabbit-like creature with deer-like antlers and they have existed in some form or another as far back in history as the 13th century in persia where they really? were depicted with a single horn similar to a unicorn. <laughs> so, yeah. That's cute. <laughs> so they appeared in European, medieval, and Renaissance folklore and even had a relative species in Bavaria known as the Wolpertinger, which was a jackalope that also had a pair of pheasant-like wings. Oh. Yeah. So horn wings too. Yeah, it had wings. So it's like a rabbit with deer antlers and pheasant wings. Oh God. Yeah. So horn rabbits and hares also appeared in Central American folklore as well as Asia and Africa. It was widely believed to be a real species until the 18th century when scientists generally agreed that horned rabbits were not real. Uh, In American folklore, it's said that during the days of the Old West, when cowboys gathered by the campfire singing at night, jackalopes could often be heard mimicking their voices because jackalopes are, in folklore, known to be able to mimic sounds including human speech. Oh, weird. I've never heard that. Yeah. In fact, during, during jackalope hunts, reportedly, jackalopes would get the hunters off their trail by like repeating the phrase he went that way and leading them <laughs> off the trail <laughs> yeah. so. oh man you know how sometimes you feel like yeah i know it's so cliche to say you feel like you were born in the wrong time and <laughs> don't get me wrong i do love my smartphone and right. be probably very lost without it but mm-hmm. you know like all our red dead redemption time would be very fun in It'd my be opinion very interesting to like 
I don't think I'd want to live Dirty, there permanently, but, but I would exactly. definitely like to, you know, take a trip back to the old West times and see what it was like. Like, but I would love to do that just to be just some crazy lady in the bushes. Going, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but anyway, so it's said that a jackalope may be caught by putting a flask of whiskey out at night. The jackalope will drink its fill of whiskey and its intoxication will make it easier to hunt. In some, part of, <laughs> right? In some parts of the United States, it's said that the jackalope meat has a taste similar to lobster. However, legend has it that they are dangerous if approached. It has also been said that jackalopes will only breed during electrical storms that include hail, which explains its rarity. Ah. Yeah, so they can only, like, they may be fertile rabbits, but they can only actually have children, or they can actually, they can only, like, get pregnant during an electrical storm that has hail. So if it's just like your run-of-the-mill thunderstorm, nothing. But as long as that thunderstorm has hail, jackalopes are out there mating. Man, if that's some birth control for you, right? just like, just, God, is it, is it raining or hail, or hail outside? <laughs> no? Okay, great, let's get it on. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1932, the Herrick brothers of Douglas, Wyoming, began the modern popularization of the jackalope. The brothers had studied taxidermy through a mail-order course when they were teenagers and accidentally happened across the idea to put antlers on a rabbit when they came home from rabbit hunting one day and tossed a rabbit-like carcass next to some antlers on the table in their workshop. And it just landed in a way that looked like it had antlers and ding, the light bulb went on. Ding. <laughs> so the first jackalope the brothers put together was sold for $10 to Roy Ball, who displayed it in the Douglas Labonte Hotel. The mounted head was stolen in 1977, but the jackalope became a popular attraction in Douglas where the Chamber of Commerce to this day issues jackalope hunting licenses to tourists. <laughs> Douglas, Wyoming is now the official home of the jackalope. So oh. uh, the hunting tags are good for hunting season during or for good for hunting during official jackalope season, which occurs for one day only June 31st, which is a non-existent date. <laughs> and, I want one. Yeah. That's adorable. And it's only good for midnight to 2 a.m. And the hunter must have an IQ greater than 50, but not higher than 72. Oh, my. So very, oh, that's, very specific. That's limiting. Yes, wow. Very specific. I don't know if I fall in that. <laughs> I, I might be at 49. I don't think yeah, I quite make it. It might be a little short. <laughs> so uh, as far as for where legends of the jackalope come from, the only possibility scientists have come up with is that it could be from sightings of rabbits infected with the Shope papilloma virus, which causes the growth of a horn and antler-like tumors in various places on the rabbit's head and body. This can occur in cottontail rabbits under natural conditions and in domestic rabbits under experimental conditions. Uh, systemic regression of warts occurs in a variable proportion of rabbits as a consequence of a special cell-mediated immune response, persistent warts may progress into invasive carcinomas. Progression into oh carcinomas is observed in approximately 25% of cottontail rabbits and up to 75% of domestic rabbits with persistent warts. So basically, Whoa. if they get this 
papillomavirus. It, it's like HPV, you mm-hmm. know, but it's it's like RPV, r- rabbit papillomavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it creates these like tumors, these hard tumors on wow. their bodies that can look like horns and antlers. So it's like if you see a horny rabbit, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the jackalope. See, like I said, I couldn't have talked about that for a half hour if no, I tried. No, but that's very interesting. So now we're going to take a trip over to the Congo in Africa to talk about another very famous crypt- cryptid known as the Mokele Mbembe. Mokele Mbembe. Like I said, that's like Afrikaans or something. <laughs> the one I probably skipped over because I didn't want to have to say yeah. that 50 million times. Yeah. <laughs> so the Mokele Mbembe, which means the one who stops the flow of rivers in the Lingala language, so not Afrikaans, Lingala, is a dinosaur-like cryptid that is said to look like a sauropod, which is like a long-necked dinosaur, like a a patasaurus or a diplodocus, or even mm-hmm. like a brachiosaurus. Uh, its body size is somewhere between the size of a hippopotamus and an elephant, and its length has been reported to be between 16 to 32 feet long, or 5 to 10 meters long. The length of the neck itself is between 5 to 10 feet or 1.6 to 3.3 meters. And the length of the tail is also between 5 to 10 feet. Uh, The reports out of Cameroon have reported the Mokele Mbembe to be up to 75 feet in length. So that one's even longer. Oh, wow. Um, Whoa. Yeah. There have also been reports of a frill on the back of the head. And the frill is said to be like the comb found on a male chicken. (laughs) <laughs> there have also been reports of it having a horn on its head. So maybe this oh. has the MPV, the <laughs> Mokele Mbembe papillomavirus. <laughs> <laughs> so there were numerous expeditions through that part of Africa in the early, early 20th century, uh, obviously because, you know, white people were exploring Africa during that time. Um, yep. So in the Congo, shooting things. yeah, shooting things. Um, and the Congo was extremely unexplored by Westerners at that point in time. So, mm-hmm. um, so there were a lot of expeditions through there, um, but not specifically for this cryptid, though it was mentioned very frequently in the expeditions. Uh, though none of the adventurers saw it for themselves, they were told the stories about it by natives that lived there. The local tribes said that it lives most of the time underwater, except when it eats or travels to another part of the swampy. Uh, terrain. Hmm. It has been reported that it does not like hippopotamuses and will kill them on sight, but it does oh, not wow. eat them. Oh, so oh, it's, it's just rude. kind of territorial, and it's like it's if just it, like eh. yeah. So, um, in fact, hippopotamuses can't be found where it lives. So oh. it's kind of like they've learned not to go there because it's just like this thing will kill I them. Don't f with uh, Makola Membe. Yep. So it's been reported that the Mokele Mbembe will overturn boats and kill the people from the boats by biting them and hitting them with its tail, but it also does not eat people. What? So it's, what does he eat? It, it's a herbivore. It eats like oh. a um, like a specific kind of plant that's found there in the, in the Congo jungle region. I see. So, so killing people because he's basically it's just territorial and violent, but it doesn't actually like kill to eat. It just kills to, Weird. you know, like get out of my swamp. Weird. This is so my it's, swamp. it's a Shrek cryptid. Get out of my swamp, Get Donker. out of my swamp. I just watched that the other day. You, I have not seen it in years, but I really should. It's on Hulu. We, uh, we, I know we watched uh, the second one because I was like, you know, I've seen the first one a million times. Mm-hmm. I've seen the second one a handful of times, and I've seen the third one maybe once. 
maybe okay. all the way through once. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't think I've seen the third one, honestly, at all. But uh, but yeah, it was a, it just reminded me of just how many references are in that movie. It's oh, insane. God. Like as as much as I love those movies, they kind of dated themselves really, really quickly did. with how many pop culture references they included. So many. But it's OK. So, so many. many. Anyway, as far as for explanations of what the Mokele Mbembe could be, scientists usually agree that the creature is a hoax, but others believe that it could be a species of bird or other animal. Some believe the creature could be a giant lizard with a long neck, a rhino, an elephant, or even a large pangolin. Um, ah, the pangolin. Always yeah. the pangolin. Yeah. So basically, and, and then some other scientists think that maybe, you know, like the tribe have like, you know, like communal memory, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like passed down legends and stuff where they found fossils or maybe even they encountered like ex- currently extinct species, you Interesting. know. So uh, the third cryptid I'm going to introduce you to comes from South Africa. It is known as the Groot slang or Groot slang, which is Africa, Afrikaans and then Dutch for big snake. So, big snake. Yep. Groot slang or Groot slang. Groot slang. Yep. It's a legendary cryptid that is rep- uh, reputed to dwell in a deep cave in Richtersveld, South Africa. According to the legend, the Groot slang is a primordial creature as old as the world itself. Tales state that gods, new to the crafting of things, made a terrible mistake in the Groot Slong's creation and gave it tremendous strength, cunning, and intellect. Realizing their mistake, the gods split the Groot Slong into two separate creatures, thus creating the first elephant and the first snake. Oh! So it's basically like a giant elephant snake. And so when they pulled off the the elephant's nose, it just was long, and then yes. the leftovers is the snake. Interesting. Yes. That's um, a very unique story. Yeah. However, one of the original Groot Slong escaped, and from this first sired all the other Groot Slong that have been born subsequently. Oh. It is claimed to devour elephants by luring them into its cave. So it eats the creatures that were supposedly created from it. Is it like the size of the Alaskan bulwark? <laughs> it's apparently gigantic. There, there's no uh, it like sounds like it. There's no real descriptions of how big it is, but it's pretty gigantic. Uh, the cave that it supposedly lives in is known as the Wonder Hole or the Bottomless Pit. My stomach has sometimes been called both of those things. The Wonder Hole, especially when it's a you know all you can eat, you know like pancake brunch. Right. So, oh God. I yeah. I Remember will. buffets? Are buffets still a thing? Have are those? I don't. They're There's not a yet. pizza buffet up the street from me that opened oh, really? up again. Yeah. Oh. So they've reopened. I have not been brave enough to go back there. No, nope. I this. I want to go back to my Mongolian barbecue place so badly, but I'm so afraid. I, to. I, <laughs> all of the casinos here have um, buffets. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if any of them are open yet or not, but like before the whole pandemic, they were to die for. And it's like, I would love to go back to them again, but I am also still very hesitant. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But, but yeah, I, feel I will that. probably, I feel my, my stomach will probably become a wonder hole or bottomless pit <laughs> again once I am ready to go to buffets again. But likely anyway, this Wonder Hole supposedly connects to the sea about 40 miles away. According to local legend, the cave is filled with diamonds. It is also said, and then the snake is also said to live in warm rivers and lakes. So basically it kind of moves around from this cave to like 
lakes and stuff that, you know, it connect to the ocean. Interesting. So in Benin, it is said to be a huge elephant-like creature with a serpent's tail. Sometimes it's depicted as a snake with orange gems for eyes. Also, according to the tale, Groot Slungs covet gems, particularly diamonds, and despite the creature's lust for cruelty, victims can often bargain for their freedom by offering a Groot Slung enough precious gems. While searching for treasures in the Richtersfeld of South Africa in 1917, English businessman Peter Grayson disappeared after members of his parties were attacked and injured by lions, prompting legends that the Groot Slung had killed him. Yeah. So he was Aww. in those caves looking for gems and was hmm. killed by lions. But everybody was like, nah, I was not lions. I'll tell you Definitely that. Definitely not. It must have been the greedy snake that lives in the cave. Yep. That makes far more sense than yes. lions. Yes, obviously. So and finally, we're going to come back to North and Central America for our last cryptid. This one is the Thunderbird. Now, this one I probably could have stretched out to a full half hour, but... You know, it was a little easier to just kind of pull it in with all these other ones. So uh, the Thunderbird is a creature associated with large bird like animals that live anywhere in northern Canada and Alaska down to Central America. Similar animals often appear in Native American mythology. Some tales tell of enormous eagle strong or enormous eagles strong enough to carry whales back to their nests. So, whoa, yeah. Yeah, well, whales. I mean, well, it depends on what what size whales we're talking about, like sperm whales or like gray whales or like orca whales. I or... mean, none of them are light enough to be picked up by a normal eagle. Definitely not by a sparrow carrying coconuts across England. <laughs> <laughs> um, similar stories appear from civilizations all around the world, however, but they're most common in North American, um, Native American mythology. Um, ba, 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 ba. Since pioneers began moving west across North American plains, sightings of large birds have been reported. Native tribes all across North America, especially along the Pacific coast and in the Great Lakes areas, have stories depicting enormous birds of prey. Some stories have told that these birds were so large and powerful that when they flapped their wings, thunder was created. Lightning flashed out of their eyes and water fell off of their beaks or backs, creating rain. So this is why they became Thunderbirds. The Thunderbirds. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the tribes used Thunderbirds to explain some of the things that happen naturally, such as storms and other forms of weather. Hmm. The legend of Passamaquoddies, for example, described, and the only reason I know how to pronounce that is because of the old Disney movie, uh, Pete's Dragon, uh -huh. because they lived in the town of Passamaquoddy. Pass <laughs> that is literally the only reason I know how to pronounce that. That's funny. So, because, yeah, anyway, I don't want to go on, you know, a diatribe about that. But that is that is the only reason <laughs> I, Pete's dragon. Like, I I saw that word and was like, oh, I'm going to have to look up how to pronounce it. And then I looked at it closer and was like, oh, Passamaquoddy. Oh, there was a whole Pass song about that. <laughs> <laughs> so the legend of the Passamaquoddies, for example, describes the quest of two Native Americans in search of the source of thunder high in the mountains. Other stories said that there was a Thunderbird who battled an enormous killer whale. When the two beasts fought, they destroyed much of the land, knocking down trees and causing destruction. Although dangerous and powerful beings, Thunderbirds were also seen as benevolent nature spirits, and they sometimes assisted the tribes in their search for food during periods of famine. 
The igneous rock known as thunderstones are supposedly the eggs of these creatures, according to legend. I did not oh. know thunderstones were a thing. I had to look those up. I didn't up. either. I just, huh. I'd only heard of thunderstones because of Pokemon. <sighs> because those are the type of stones that evolve like Pikachu. <laughs> but apparently well, they're an actual type of igneous rock. Maybe Pikachu is a Thunderbird. I mean, there is a Thunderbird Pokemon. There's That's true. Zapdos is a Thunderbird. Yeah, you're Sorry, right. But anyway, the 1977 Lawndale, Illinois Thunderbird attack was a reported attack by two unidentified birds on a young boy. The attack occurred on July 25th, 1977. Ten-year-old Martin Lowe was playing outside when he was suddenly attacked by two large birds, one of which temporarily picked him up and carried him over 30 feet before Martin's mother, Ruth Lowe, ran to her son's rescue, chasing the birds away and recovering her son. Holy cow. Yeah. Now, we've seen that sort of thing happen mm-hmm. with, like, large birds. And, and, and I mean, yeah. they picked up small children. I mean, there was mm-hmm. that in the news just, like, a couple years ago. So it's like that yeah. sort of thing happens. But not a 10-year-old. Those were usually, like, no. toddlers or, or like, yeah, exactly. you know, infants. And they were dogs usually the size of, like, chihuahuas. Exactly. Not 10-year-olds. Not a 10-year-old. <laughs> Um, reportedly several eyewitnesses had seen the attack take place. The birds were described as having a white ring around their necks and four and a half foot body with each wing approximately about four feet long and a six inch hooked bill, three front claws, uh, one back claw and a large black body. So they were relatively big. I mean, Hmm. four foot body and like an eight foot total wingspan. That's a Mm -hmm. big bird. That is, yeah. Not to be confused yeah. with Big Bird. <laughs> <laughs> not the Muppet. Not, Speaking not the of which, like that, that kind of gets no. me on like a little tangent side thing that I didn't have in my notes. Did you know that Big Bird is different in every culture? Really? Yeah. Look it up sometime. I found this out recently from TikTok, but like Sesame Street in different countries, because, you know, they don't just take the American episodes and dub them. They actually Mm -hmm. have Mm -hmm. Sesame Street in every different country. Wow. And it's a different big bird in every country. And they're all supposed to be big birds relatives. Oh, how neat. Yeah. That is so cool. And they all look different. Oh my gosh, PBS, come on. And they all look different. Like they'll be blue or green. They're not all like the same yellow big bird. They're all different versions of big bird. For each How country. Cool. I thought that was fascinating. So, yeah, if you have time to look that up, you should look into it. It was really cool. Anyway. You should do an entire episode on the cryptid that is Big Bird. <laughs> <laughs> big foot, big schmutt, big bird. <laughs> anyway, back to this big bird. Um, explanations as to what Thunderbirds could be. American science historian and folklorist Adrian Mayer and British historian Tom Holland, not to be confused with Spider-Man Tom (laughs) Holland, have both suggested that indigenous Thunderbird stories are based on discoveries of pterosaur fossils by Native Americans. So this is kind of similar to the Mokele Mbembe, where it's like it may be like tribal memory where they, you know, like their ancestors found these fossils and passed down the story you know, mm-hmm. and and yeah, the story yeah. evolved into Thunderbirds. Interesting. Um, Thunderbirds may also be modern day teratorns, which are an extinct genus of large North American birds of prey that had up to a 12 foot or 3.8 meter wingspan. However, this is unlikely since no flying bird bigger than an albatross or an Andean condor have been discovered in recent times, which albatrosses are massive. Yeah. 
They've yeah. got like 10 to 11 foot wingspans. They are gigantic yeah. birds. Huge birds. Um, pterosaurs are also suspects of Thunderbird sightings, which is like pterodactyls and stuff. But this seems far-fetched as pterosaurs, according to science, have been long extinct since the late Cretaceous around 66 million years ago. Uh, some ex- it's a long time to hold on to a story right? if that's the case. <laughs> some exotic non-native birds like the African crowned eagles and Andean condors, possibly escaping from captivity, may have played a role in Thunderbird sightings with African crowned eagles said to have caused so-called Thunderbird attacks and Andean condors being mistaken for the larger mythical Thunderbird at first glance. Mm. And then they may also just be hoaxes made by mistaken identification of real Native American, Native, real slash Native American birds, pranksters, or cryptid enthusiasts. So, huh. so those are my four cryptids in my cryptid cool. corral today. They're all. There's your cram session, guys. Like I said, they're all very popular cryptids that really it was difficult to make enough out of them for a whole episode on their own but they they yeah. needed to be talked about at some they point or another so definitely definitely did they yes. definitely did well that was very cool i learned so much in the span of like 25 minutes <laughs> <laughs> i aim to please you aim you to reminded please. me right <laughs> you reminded me when you mentioned tom holland that if there's a tom holland and a tom hollander does that not imply the existence of a tom hollandest yes it does the best Tom Holland. Where are you at, dude? <laughs> Where Let's, are you, Tom Holland? You've got an acting career waiting for you. It's just right there. It's right there. Uh, <laughs> so funny. Well, that was really cool. The jackalope and uh, and the Mokola Membe. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And the Thunderbird. And then what was the snake again? The, the Groot Slong or the Groot Slong. Groot Slong. Yes. Oh yes! So, yeah. Oh yes! You gotta, you gotta feel it in your throat when you say that one. Well, when you say it in <laughs> Dutch, at least Grootslang. Grootslang. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. Well, okay. So guys, don't forget next. Uh, um, next episode next, comes out on May first. May first, and uh, that is going to be our three year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And uh, and our we're going to take a break for a while. So yeah. we are. Uh, uh, thank you so much for sticking around with us and for listening and for uh, for partying with us every two weeks, mm-hmm. every, uh, you know, most of the year. And uh, thank you so much for your support. And uh, thank you to Sammy for carrying last season when I had to take a break. I mean, everybody round applause for Sammy and everything and all of our, our guests that joined us and stuff. Super, super cool. And I will say all of this again next week. Uh, but I just <laughs> wanted to, uh, to, to, to stick that in there and stuff. I am very grateful for this entire project and everything we've gotten to do. So. So, yeah. um, we've accomplished every lesson lot. that we have learned. We, we've so accomplished we learned a lot tons. in three years. Like this, this episode right now is 60 out. Well, it marks about 60 hours of content that we've created, you know, which is 60 hours. And I'm sure it's more than that because we've had some long episodes, but still, I mean, you it's can like, listen to us for literal days. You can listen to us for almost three days straight. It's crazy. It's nuts. Without sleeping. Without sleeping. I dare you. Yeah. Binge <laughs> us and let us know how that goes. You'll yes. be so sick of hearing my voice, so, my nasally so whiny voice. And me going, ah, mm, mm, <laughs> And me ah, clearing my oh, throat. Oh, really? Mm, <laughs> mm, oh, mm, mm. <laughs> We can make an entire just, just a sound effect CD of just oh, that. <laughs> maybe we'll just put out like a blooper episode that's just like sounds by Sammy and Tessa. <laughs> sounds. Gross mouth noises by Sammy and Tessa. <laughs> Dad noises by Sammy. <laughs> 
All right. Oh, man. Well, thank you guys for listening. We will be back on May 1st for another episode of Conspiracies and Cryptids. But until then, don't forget, Big, Big Brother, Brother is watching. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Conspiracies and Cryptids with Sammy and Tessa. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can head over to our website, conspiraciesencryptids.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us and keep up with what we're up to, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cryptopod, C-R-Y-P-T-I-P-O-D, or email us at conspiraciesencryptids at gmail.com. Finally, if you're vibing with what we're doing, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a five-star review on iTunes. If you don't feel like writing a long review, just put Big Brother is Watching in the description. And don't forget, Big Big Brother Brother is is watching. watching.